You're listening to the Growth Experts Podcast. So if you're looking to 10X your business by learning proven growth strategies, you're in the right place. During my interviews with top CEOs, entrepreneurs, and marketers, I dig deep to uncover the real strategies, hacks, and tools to help you achieve your goals. And I'm your host, Dennis Brown. Hey, everybody. If you're interested in learning how to leverage LinkedIn for your business, this episode is sponsored by my book, The 7 Habits of Highly Successful LinkedIn Users. To get your free copy, just send a text to 44222 with the word 7 Habits. That's the number 7 Habits to 44222. Now let's get on with the show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. And today we have yet another amazing guest. Her name is Adi Arizini, and she's the co-founder and CEO of Teamy Blends. It's Teamy, correct? Yep, that's right. All right. And that is an Inc. 5000 multi-million dollar lifestyle brand that she started out of her bedroom about five years ago. Teamy products range from wellness blends to tea-infused skincare that's centered around using all natural plant-based ingredients like premium loose leaf teas to help customers live happier, healthier lives. And today she's here. We're going to talk about how she has been able to leverage influencers to grow her brand so rapidly. And she's going to talk about some of the pros and cons and pitfalls to make sure that you, my audience, don't go broke trying to use influencers. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Dennis, for having me. Yeah, I'm excited because we haven't really talked a lot about influencer marketing. So we get the best of both worlds. We get a great success story on how you started this business out of your bedroom, and now it's doing millions of dollars. You're ranked on Inc. 500. You're growing like crazy. And you've got a unique strategy and that you've been able to leverage very successfully where a lot of other companies haven't been able to do that. So before we dive into that, give us a, you know, give us a two-minute backstory kind of how you became an entrepreneur, how you got to here, and then we're going to dig right in. Sure. I'm going to make this really quick because I want to get straight into the marketing strategies. Long story short, I served in the military as a fitness instructor for combat soldiers. And so when you see movies of like a little girl telling boys to do push-ups and climb up rope and jump over walls, that was my job in the army. And toward the end of my service, I started having really bad digestive issues. I looked like I was five months pregnant when I wasn't, and I wasn't able to digest my food. I was going to the bathroom maybe once a week, which is very unhealthy because the whole purpose of the body is to take the nutrients out of the foods that you're eating and get rid of the rest. And my body wasn't doing that function on its own, which was causing me to have severe stomach pain and bloating and couldn't even wear jeans or anything that was tight on my body because I was in such pain. So when I finished my army service, I started trying to solve this naturally. And I read a ton of books about gut health and colon health and what was really going on in our bodies with the foods that we're eating. I mean, we've all had pizza and ice cream and and it's okay to, to eat those things. I mean, I had ice cream last night and it was amazing. But the problem is that people are not getting rid of the toxins in the speed that they are consuming them. And I started really being interested in this area in order to solve my own health issues, which I ended up doing through the natural benefits of tea. And that's how I came to really starting my own tea blends that solve different body problems naturally. And that's how I got into tea infused skincare as well. And it was, it all started from 
really the purpose of solving my own problem. Gotcha. So I I love this because it was something you were solving your own problem. And then once you were able to see a little bit of success, you figured, well, there's probably a lot of other people out there that have the same problem. So let's see how they feel about it. How did you actually, how did you actually go about that process of saying, okay, it's working for me. What made you want to make it a business or what stimulated you to want to turn it into a product and a business? It really started with I, when I was talking to my, to my girlfriends and I was telling them about my problems and, and what I had done to solve it. And they were all wanting to try it as well because they were all experiencing the same discomfort. And I was like, really? Like, I'm not the only one. I really thought I was the only one out of my friends that was going through this. And I just started researching and, and it's apparent to me that two out of three Americans are experiencing some sort of digestive health issues, whether it's IBS or a toxic colon or whether it is constipation or bloating or whatever it may be, there's a lot of it out there and people are using medicine that is not natural in order to solve it. And that's what really got me excited about being able to help people feel better because has so many health benefits to your life, not just improving your digestion, but your digestion affects your energy, it affects your mood, can affect your skin. So it just has so many benefits that can really help people. And that's what made me excited to start telling people about it. Well, obviously it's working because you were ranked on the Inc. 500 fastest growing privately held companies in America. That list in 2017, I think you were like number 200 or something on that list. Was that, isn't that true? 222, I think on that list. That's right. right. For for 2018 ranking and you did $9.8 million in sales. So, I mean, you went from startup to about 10 million in sales in 2018 ranking, but that doesn't tell us what you did in 18. Are you going to reapply to Inc. to try to make the list again? And can you tell us a little bit about what you experienced in 2018 for sales and growth? Yeah. um, And I definitely will be applying again. We grew over 30% between 2018, uh, 2017 and 2018. So we'll definitely be reapplying for sure. Awesome. And we're, we're growing. Awesome. Perfect. All right. So a couple of quick questions, you know, little about the inside of the business. Did you raise any capital or is this all bootstrapped today? It's all bootstrapped. We did not raise any capital. And I don't know if we're even ready to have that conversation. We tried have that, having that conversation about a year ago when we thought we needed more capital. So we did this long process with you know a brokerage firm that does this. And it was like a six-month process. And although it was it was very eye-opening. At the end of the process, we had an interested person and we decided not to go with them because we didn't we didn't know in which direction we wanted to go in and taking outside money was not really the best time for us. I don't know if I will ever take outside money. I just am not very familiar with it, to be honest. Yeah. Make sure you know exactly what you're getting into. I mean, the lure of raising capital and having a a few million or 5 million or 10 million or even 50 million infused into your business can be very, very sexy, but there's a lot that goes along with it. So I applaud you on your caution. I'm not saying not to raise it. I've raised over the course of my career, the last 25 years, I've helped raise millions of dollars for different businesses that I've been involved with. And um, there's always a catch. There's always something. So there's pros and cons. So be very careful with that. And seems like you're doing extremely well without it. So hold out as long as you can, and and then um, hopefully we'll be able to continue as bootstrapped, and you'll be able to finance it on your own all the way to 100 million or more. So that's so, the goal. That's definitely the the goal. Perfect. All right. So 
We're here today to talk not necessarily just about your product because uh, you know it sounds like a very interesting product and it sounds like it's solving an important problem for people, but you have an interesting way that you've been able to grow. You've leveraged influencers. I mean, you've leveraged influencers like I think Demi Lovato, Kylie Jenner, Cardi B, influencers like that. Is that correct? Yep, that's true. So you've been able to leverage some really high-level celebrity influencers. And in doing that, you know, you learned a lot. I'm sure they all didn't work. I'm sure they all didn't turn out exactly as you planned. And you figured out a strategy and a system for leveraging influencers in a way to ensure that you don't go broke in the meantime, because that's been, we've all heard that story before, right? Spending a lot of money on influencers and not getting an ROI. So can you unpack that for us a little bit? Because I'm really curious. You've got me, you've got me curious, even on a personal level here, how you were able to do that. Sure. Okay. So just backing it up a little bit, when I started the company, I had no money to do marketing. So I had the units that I had created, which was, I think at the time it was like 200 of each tea or a hundred of each tea. And I had five different blends and I had no money to put into Facebook marketing or Google marketing. However, I did have some product that I could ship out to people to get them to represent the brand. And that's really how it started it because I had no money. And I also was seeing, this was like five years ago. So people were really starting to use Instagram as a marketing tool for brands. Not everyone was using it. I think that maybe like I was, you know, one of the first adopting companies of using influencers. And I saw that, you know, millennials and so many people are using Instagram almost like a search engine, like Google to find what's new, what's hip, what's out there, what are people recommending? And I was like, oh, okay, this is taking like word of mouth to the next level. Instead of doing word of mouth like to someone locally in my city, I can do this on the internet and I could provide my help or my advice or my expertise on the internet to everyone in the world. And all of these influencers have that ability to reach people that are outside of your city, outside of your state by recommending their personal recommendation of what they believe in and what works for them. And people are more likely to purchase products when their sister has told them about it or their mom has told them about it, or they just feel like they can trust it more because they've had some sort of personal communication with you know, that sister that has some sort of influence over her in her life. And that's what influencers essentially are. And if you really get that on a on a basic foundational level, then if you're a marketer, you're like, oh, I get it. They're like, they're another source of via as marketing channels. These people can carry my message across their platform to the people that are consuming their content, their pictures, their videos. So that's really where my like aha moment, like I looked at it as a marketer for sure. I was like, oh, I can reach the entire internet this way. And it's not, this is like before people were really pushing ads as much as they are today. So it was a very organic way to show up in someone's iPhone feed about and telling them about your products. So yeah. that's really how the idea started. And it's very basic and it's still that basic today. So if any of you at home are, thinking about using influencers, know that it's basic. Yeah, like, I read That's a, really the strategy. I read a stat, and I hope I'm quoting it properly, but I read a stat recently in an article where it said, people are more likely, four times more likely to buy 
when they hear about a product from somebody that they know and trust. And so, exactly. so you've totally got me in on this whole influencer piece, right? But I think there's a lot of misconception and maybe even a little bit of a behind the scenes reality to doing influencer marketing and figuring out which influencers are really worth investing in, right? Do they have the right, right audience? Are they really engaged? Is it going to give you an ROI? And I think that's really one of the things. I mean, anybody can go out there and spend thousands of dollars, you know, trying to influence the market in whatever means it is, but it doesn't mean it's going to work. So what was the difference between how you did it and have been successful and how many others have failed? Right. Okay. So the first thing is something that you actually just said, which is, you know, people are four times more likely to buy things from someone that they know and trust. And with the internet these days, you can know and trust someone you've never actually met in person. You know and trust them because you follow them on Instagram and they give you advice and you feel that they are relatable to you in some way. So you start to know and trust these online influencers. So when you are choosing as a marketer, let's say you have a product that you're trying to sell, when you're choosing your influencer, you need to look at them with perspective And you have to look if they are creating that connection with their followers, that their followers feel that they know and trust that influencer. So for example, if I follow a bikini model on Instagram and she's posting all of these photos from all of her travels and she's just this perfect, beautiful, blonde bikini model. Now, although I follow her and I really like looking at her photos, I don't feel like I know and trust her. Like, I feel that there's almost like a barrier between her life and my life. And I'm kind of jealous of her life. And I'm just looking outwards at her life. I'm not part of her life. So the influencers that move the needle are the influencers that include people into their lives and help educate, inform, and are relatable to the follower. If the influencer doesn't create that effect on their follower, they're not going to be influential. If the person doesn't feel like they can relate to that influencer, then they're not going to use the products that they recommend. Is the person genuine? Is the person giving free advice? You have to look at all of these areas. So when I first started influencer marketing, I literally had an Excel spreadsheet and I would reach out to people either through their email or through Instagram DM. And I would ask them, hey, this is my product. I would tell them a little bit about me. And at the time I had no money. So I was only working with small micro influencers between 5,000 and 30,000 followers, something like that is all that I could afford because all I could give them was free product. So I would send them this product and I would give them data. I would have them try the product so that they could have their own personal experience with the product because you want them speaking from their own experience. And then I would give them a discount code. So if the influencer I was working with, her name was Jessica, it might be like Jessica 15 for 15% off. And I would track that discount code after the person had purchased. And I created this Excel sheet, which I then later on turned into a software so I could do it quicker. If Jessica posted on January 1st with her picture and her code, and she had made five sales, Between January 1st and February 1st, I attributed all of those sales to her first post, January 1st. If she posts again, February 2nd, let's say, 
all of the sales that she is now going to be accruing will be attributed to her second post. And I did this in order to try to figure out if different pieces of content and different pieces of captions made a difference in sales. And they did. Certain photos and certain captions would move the needle and others wouldn't. And that's what I started really even finding out more. First, you have to choose the right type of influencer, but then you have to have the right type of photo and the right type of caption. I love it. You took kind of a data approach to it, right? You took more of a growth hacker data scientific approach to seeing what works and what doesn't because I'm mean, let's face it, if you're going to spend your hard-earned money, you got to do everything in your power to get an ROI. So, what did you find in regards to the differences, the winners, the losers, the ones that did really well, the ones that didn't do really well? I mean, what were some of the pieces that you discovered there that you were able to leverage going forward? Yeah, let's break that down. So, let's take break down the type of influencer that you're choosing. So, the ones that worked for me were the ones that had real helpful captions and real helpful profiles where they're truly just being authentic and informational and genuine to their followers. The ones that didn't work for me, so for example, like bikini models didn't work for me, models didn't work for me, fashion bloggers didn't work for me because their lives are almost closed off to my life. They almost feel, I almost feel like they're better than me to some degree. Like they have this glamorous life that I don't have. Can you give me an example? Sorry to interrupt, but can you give me an example of, you said the bikini model and the blogger didn't work, but which ones did? Can you give me an example of an influencer that you remember just worked really, really well for you and why? Yeah. Like I started working with this girl who was a Brazilian personal trainer and most of her stuff was in Portuguese, but she lived in Florida and her captions were all about, Hey guys, I'm doing this body exercise and this is how I'm doing it. Let me show you a video and let me show you why this would be helpful to you. Or then she would go, Hey guys, this is what I'm making in my morning smoothie. And here are, here's why I'm adding this ingredient. Have you guys ever used this ingredient? So she's really being in communication with her followers because she's really trying to help them and create a community around what she's doing, as opposed to a fashion blogger that might have a beautiful photo with a beautiful dress on and that dress is beautiful. And, but that's all that I really know. I just see the dress and maybe she says, Hey, it costs a hundred dollars at this store, but I don't really have any emotional response to this photo because I don't really feel like she's helped me necessarily. And especially with people in fashion, they are a different audience than people in wellness. So my audience is wellness. So I had to figure out which influencers worked for wellness. And it was not fashion. Even if the person had a million followers and thousands of comments on their post, it would not work for my brand. It might work for a clothing brand, but it won't work for my brand. Gotcha. Okay. Continue on. So you figure out which influencers are going to work best. And you talked about some of that. If you want to expand on that, go ahead. If not, move forward. Yeah. One of the things to look for is when you are choosing your influencers, I really suggest looking through the comments of that influencer that you're trying to see if they're going to be good for you and look for questions. If their followers are asking them questions like, Hey, where did you get that nail polish? Or where did you get your hair done? Or, Hey, can you tell me about the smoothie that you made yesterday? What ingredients did you have in again? That's how you can tell if that influencer is influential. 
if there's just a bunch of like admiration on the person's post, like, I love your skirt. I love your hair. I love your sunglasses. It's a different type of influence. One is admiration. The other one is real influence where the person is like trying to make a decision based off of their recommendation. So look for questions. That's how you're going to be able to see good quality engagement over just like thousands of comments that don't have any quality inside of them, if that makes sense. No, that's perfect. I love it. A lot of people, and that's like a super like hack. A lot of people don't do that. They look at number of followers, number of engagement, number of comments. That's all they look at. And I'm like, but you're not even looking at the quality of the engagement, the quality of the followers. So like that is a huge miss that people are not doing in their influencer marketing right now. And that's where they're losing a lot of money. Not all engagement is the same, right? There's quality and then there's quantity. So I love how you honed in on that. I think that's great. Yeah, for sure. And and the people, even if I have, you know, someone that has 5,000 followers, they might have better engagement than someone that has 50,000 followers. They might have better quality engagement that we've seen that play in time and time again. We have the way that we do it in my business. We have a, a team of people that work with micro influencers and a team of people that work with the bigger influencers. So the micro influencers are 5,000 to 100,000 followers. And those are the more down to earth, more realistic, more genuine type of influencers. And then we have the 100,000 and up, which are more, I wouldn't say like glamorous, but they just have a bigger following. So they're usually get paid more than the smaller guys. Right. Now, the next thing to know is the way that your influencers represent your brand. So if you send them a product, let's say it's a hairbrush and you want them to represent the hairbrush, you have to look at your the influencers that you chose. If all of her photos are in workout clothes, for example, and then she uploads a photo of her in a, holding a hairbrush, it's going to shock her feed, which means that it's going to look unnatural and not organic in her feed. So it's very important that you talk to the influencer that you're working with and ask them to take a photo in a specific way that will look natural on their feed. Influencers aren't like professional actors or professional marketers. So if you sent them a hairbrush, they're just going to take a picture of the hairbrush. They're going to upload it. But you're not going to get as good of a response if you see that all of her photos are in workout clothes. Then she needs to be in workout clothes in her bathroom with the hairbrush taking a selfie. Like they have the same successful metrics as her organic Instagram account. So there has to be some continuity behind how she's gotten built that following to how she's going to promote your product. Yes. You said it way better than me. I usually show it in like a slideshow. So it's saying it over the phone is or on an interview is very different, but yes, it has to look like her page. Like if it doesn't look like her page, her followers are going to be upset. They have built a relationship with her And then they're scrolling on their feed and they see this picture of a hairbrush and they're like, what is this? You know? And then that's another part of it that we saw really worked in comparison to the photos that didn't do well on the person's page. Those photos would have zero sales in comparison to the photos that were organic to the person's page and looked like the, like it has to look so organic in the person's feed that the person could actually keep scrolling. Marketers think that you need to stop the person in their feed to catch their attention. But with Instagram, it's, I'm not talking about Facebook ads or Instagram ads. That's a whole different story. I'm talking about influencer marketing. You want it to blend in their feed. 
So you don't want the person to stop and wonder why they are seeing this photo. You want them to be like, oh yeah, this girl actually uses this brush. This looks like all the rest of her posts. So she must actually really use it. Got it. Makes total sense. Well, listen, what else would you like to add or what are some else, a couple of more, you know, we've got a couple of more minutes here. What are a couple of more tips or strategies or things that you discovered that you think the audience would benefit from? And then we'll wrap it up. Start small with the smaller influencers and get your feet wet before you pay any money. Like you need to work. There's a lot of influencers that will post, that will recommend your products or partner with you on your products for free for your, you know, just for getting the free products. And there's a lot of people that will do it based off, off of a commission of sales. So until you have figured out at least working with 100 micro influencers, don't jump the gun and pay influencers because you have no data to know which of those paid influencers are going to do well for you. I would say 100 or more trial and error of working with micro influencers and creating relationships is where you're going to be able to make the mistakes so that you have less risk when you're paying these people. I mean, I've lost so much money by choosing the wrong influencer. And that's part of the game. It's a very high risk, high reward game. But because I had this background and so much trial and error, I was able to kind of have a pros and cons list of the type of influencers, the time of the days of posting, the type of photos. So I had almost like a handbook that I would tell the influencer what to do so that they would go by my rules so that we could give the partnership its best shot. I love it. Well, it's obviously working for you. You guys are doing over 10 million in sales and you're using influencer marketing as one of your primary strategies and modes for getting new clients. So listen, we're going to wrap it up. The last two questions, let's do them rapid fire if we could. Turning inward into your business a little bit, what's one tool or software that you use to help you grow, like a growth tool or software? Mm, Well, I don't use growth tools like that anymore, like automation tools, but the one that I can recommend is called Gleam. You can go to www.gleam.io. It's literally a website that does giveaways that people can enter. And so if you go to my company's Instagram at Teamy Blends, you'll see that we're constantly growing in the number of followers and that's organic growth. But it's really just because we're doing this giveaway. We're giving away every single month, we're giving away a bundle of our products and like an iPad or something cool that someone would want. And in order to enter to win, they have to like follow us on Instagram, follow us on Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel. So it's all organic growth. But we post about that giveaway one time per week and we send it out to our entire email list two times per month. And so we're really using the different areas that we have an audience on and we're getting them to participate in this Gleam giveaway. And we do it every month. We do a different type of giveaway but there's a January giveaway, a February giveaway, a March giveaway, and that accrues followers. And so we grow 30 to 40,000 followers per month just from this giveaway. Wow. That's huge. All right. What would be one book that you would recommend to my audience? Something that really hit home with you and maybe has helped you along your journey? Sure. This for me changed my life. I read From Good to Great by Jim Collins, which when I was reading the book, I was having kind of like a mental breakdown with my company. Like, are we going to be able to make it? This is so hard. Like, I don't know if I'm cut out for this. And we were in year four. This was last year, actually, when I read the book. So it wasn't that 
we were just at the beginning stages of our company, but every time you grow, you're taking on more risk, more responsibility. I mean, I have 50 employees. And so it's like, there was just a lot going on. And this book really put it into perspective. Also like that businesses have been here for like 30, 40, 50, 60 years. And we're just five years old. Like we have so much to learn and businesses go through ups and downs. And it's really about how you recover and what your core values are and and how to think long-term instead of getting down about the short-term failures, which is what I was doing for myself. It really taught me to expand my vision and to think long-term instead of just think about this month, we were down in our numbers this month. We didn't do as well as I wanted us to do or whatever it was, or we lost some money with a bad partnership. So it really taught me to think long-term, which I think is a really big asset to any entrepreneur. Yep. Good to great. A great book and highly recommended. So let everybody know how they connect with you, learn more about your business, about Teamy Brands, and we'll go from there and we'll wrap it up. Yeah. So you can follow my brand at Teamy Blends, which is T-E-A-M-I-B-L-E-N-D-S. And if you want to follow me personally, you can follow me at Adi Arizini, which is A-D-I-A-R-R-E-Z-I-N-I. Awesome. Well, listen, I'll make sure I put those links in the show notes. Really appreciate you being here. So happy to hear about the success. Congratulations. Love your tips on influencer marketing. And I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Sounds good. Thanks. Listeners, I want to thank you for tuning in. I truly appreciate your time. If you're enjoying the podcast, then do me a huge favor. Click the subscribe button now and please leave me a review. It would mean a lot to me.